Yesterday was the only college football game in which the Michigan Wolverines will be without their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sharon Moore. And for Michigan, that's for the better. Because even though J.J. McCarthy yesterday looked like an elite quarterback and he finished with the number eight quarterback efficiency ranking in the nation as of this morning, even Roman Wilson, he looked like a great to near elite wide receiver with 78 receiving yards, six receptions, and three receiving touchdowns. Cornelius Johnson and Colston Loveland also looked great at wide receiver and tight end. Michigan's offensive line and running back room looked subpar compared to the potential that we know those groups have. East Carolina, they stacked the box on defense all day, but there were times where Michigan's offensive line had no excuse to surrender tackles for loss or to let Blake Corm or Donovan Edwards get stuffed at the line of scrimmage. The performance yesterday was underwhelming, but without Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore and with Will Johnson and Rod Moore being out, I expected a subpar performance to a certain degree. However, I expected Michigan to eventually wear down East Carolina and put up, you know, 50 points, 50 to 60 points, and surrender anywhere from 0 to 10 points. And defensively, Michigan was elite. They impressed me more than I thought they were going to. Offensively, I thought that the offense led up, that Michigan was more dominant than the score indicated. But my score prediction did fall through because of a failed fourth and goal. James Turner being very hit and miss, missing an extra point, missing a field goal from over 50 yards, but then nailing another field goal where he hit a long of 50. And then I think he missed one from 54 and he missed it badly. And then Tommy Doman at punter, two punts for an average of 45 yards per punt. Michigan yesterday, the only shame in their performance was the scoreboard, in truth, and also the offensive line and run game. But I think a lot of that was Sharon Moore being out and Kirk Campbell calling the plays as well. Kirk Campbell is the team's quarterback's coach, and he was previously an offensive coordinator at Old Dominion. He previously ran a more pass-heavy offense, as most offensive coordinators would do. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are one of the most rush-heavy teams in all of college football. And Michigan yesterday, passing for 31 times and rushing for 31 times, you typically don't see that much of a balanced attack from Michigan, especially when it is against such an inferior opponent as East Carolina is. Michigan, though, was not the only team to struggle when it came to the scoreboard or even failing to live up to their potential in certain aspects of the roster. Georgia, for example, their offensive line struggled against University of Tennessee Martin before they pulled away and really began chewing up um, Tennessee Martin, pardon me, in the third and fourth quarter. Ohio State, who I will be reacting to later today, the Buckeyes struggled mightily on offense against Indiana. I'll be talking about that video once again later today. And if you don't want to miss it, I encourage you to hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell. This channel is trying to grow to 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 season. I cover Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, the entire Big Ten as a whole, really, 
And also, I touch on college football and the sport outside of the Big Ten. This is one of the most interactive and best college football communities you will find on the YouTube. You also have probably seen me, if this is one of the first times watching a video from this channel, commenting on highlight channels or some of ESPN and larger college football channels, videos, or community posts. So please subscribe, hit the notification bell, like this video so we can get this reaction video into as many Michigan fans' screens as we can on this platform, and comment your thoughts, opinions, and analysis on Michigan football down below, specifically about their performance against East Carolina and how you think that relates to the rest of the season. Because there's a chance that Michigan, while looking similar in parts, of course because a majority of the offensive players were starting yesterday, and the defense as we know is deep, so even without Rod Moore and Will Johnson against a group of five team like East Carolina, Michigan's defense isn't going to drop off, and the returns as the game progresses won't diminish as quickly as maybe they would against Drew Aller at quarterback or Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver, or even Michigan State, who I thought with Nathan Carter, if they can change some things and start quicker, can have a valiant rushing attack. Michigan's rushing attack wasn't very impressive. Donovan Edwards only averaged 3.1 yards per carry. Blake Corum averaged 7.3 yards per carry, definitely the best running back yesterday, but he only had 10 carries for 73 yards and one touchdown. Now, I think against UNLV and Bowling Green, the running game will probably look better. I'm hoping the offensive line looks better. I'm more unsure about that than I am the running back's performance, but the play calling will also fit more of what we see from a typical Jim Harbaugh Michigan team that we've gotten accustomed to over the past two years. Michigan passing for 50%, and really for more than 50%, just in garbage time, they were stubbornly running the football, is weird. But I enjoyed it, I will say. I enjoyed watching J.J. McCarthy hit every throw with accuracy. He only had one mediocre throw, and it was less of a bad throw, but more of a good defense by an East Carolina defensive back. East Carolina had three passes defended, and whether it was Tegan Wilk, B.J. Davis, or Chevon Revel, I don't know what pirate player it was, but J.J. McCarthy nearly was about to have another touchdown pass, and he flung it into the end zone a little too low, and an East Carolina defensive back with one hand deflected it out of the air. If that was Kalen King, maybe Michigan's own Will Johnson, or Travis Hunter, that could have been an interception. But realistically, at best, it was going to be a pass defended by 99.9% .9 of all college football defenders. So that was his worst throw, JJ's worst throw of the day. And the rest of his 29 passes were great. And he had one or two drops as well. 26 completions, 30 attempts, well over 200 yards, and three touchdowns. He had a quarterback efficiency rating, according to ESPN, of a 95.4. Very impressive player, and Roman Wilson with three receiving touchdowns, and Cornelius Johnson and Colston Loveland with over 50 receiving yards on five receptions or less. Michigan's passing offense was definitely impressive. My player of the game would be J.J. McCarthy. He had an efficient day passing, 
Again, 26 of 30 for 280 yards and three touchdowns. His worst play was a botched snap where he nearly fumbled the ball away and it was on a fourth and goal. If Michigan got that fourth and goal, they would have led 37 to nothing, probably would have ended up winning the game 37 to three. Still wouldn't have covered that point spread that I predicted them to. But Michigan, in my mind, was nearly as dominant as I expected them to be on on on-field play. The points just weren't there, whether that was due to James Turner's four points left off the board due to the missed field goal and extra point, the fourth down and goal stop by East Carolina, which was more Michigan's fault than East Carolina's good play, and also some other errors, like East Carolina setting themselves up to give their defense good field position, and then Michigan's offensive line disappointing on the first drive of the game where the Pirates, due to a stacked box, stout players, a great head coach in Mike Houston, and also Drake Nugent and the offensive line showing some struggles rather early in the game. Michigan got stuffed with three runs. They only gained one yard, I think, on three rushing attempts on that first drive, and they had to punt it away. Michigan then got the ball back, I believe, on an interception, a phenomenal interception by... Mike Sainer is still number zero, who's one of my favorite players, and I think he's going to be an All-American caliber defensive back this season. But J.J. McCarthy made up in part for the lack of performance by the offensive line and also the running back room. He really did. He's my player of the game. Blake Corum, behind that offensive line, averaging seven yards per carry, I think is impressive. I think he'll easily break 100 rushing yards in the next two games, with Donovan Edwards having 12 carries for 37 yards, averaging only 3 yards per carry. I wasn't as impressed with him. He did get 33 receiving yards, though, so that was a good sign from him that he's being utilized as a receiver. And most importantly, that Donovan Edwards was healthy. Let's hope that he stays healthy through every game this season, if possible, because even though he was disappointing yesterday, he is an elite running back, and we're going to need him as the season progresses. And the offensive line, that's something we'll talk about throughout this video. I want to get back to J.J. McCarthy. He made several nice plays sometimes when East Carolina successfully sent pressure. He was able to escape the pocket, navigate throughout it, step up and throw, or sometimes when he would escape, He'd roll out, throw it away and complete, or he would find receivers. So I was impressed with his play. If he plays like this in every game of the season, there is no doubt that he'll be a top five quarterback for the year. I'm not going to predict that here and now, but I thought that J.J. McCarthy wasn't going to have as good of a game as he did, even though I was suspicious of the fact that Kirk Campbell was going to be calling plays and likely going to get McCarthy involved more than Jim Harbaugh would typically prefer. Against UNLV, Bowling Green, even Rutgers, I would say, he'll probably look about this impressive. I'm anxious to see how he does on the road at Nebraska, who against Minnesota looked like they had one of the Big Ten's potentially better secondaries. I'm almost surprised at saying that, but... McCarthy's going to continue to put up good statistics, learn and grow against these opponents who have no business covering Michigan's receivers and opponents where it'll be hard for them to get pressure on McCarthy. 
they won't have the speed or physicality or stamina that Michigan does, and they'll be playing in the big house, which is a disadvantage for them and an advantage for McCarthy. I don't exactly know, of course, if he's an elite quarterback just yet. After all, it is game one, and I say that because I don't want to come across like I'm overreacting to anything. It's just what I saw yesterday. But no doubt, player of the game against East Carolina. Defensively, Mike Sainra still could have been the defensive player of the game with that interception. And Michigan's defense was just, it really was phenomenal. East Carolina got that three points at the end of the game just to avoid the shutout. And they were on a 300-something game streak where they scored points in all of those contests. And speaking of East Carolina, we saved the best for last on this channel. They played hard, but they were ultimately overwhelmed. And Mike Houston is a great coach. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The Pirates came in, they played hard defensively. They knew that Michigan likes to run the football, so they stacked the box and consistently sent five, six, seven guys even forward. And Michigan's offensive line, when protecting the passer and protecting J.J. McCarthy, they were great to elite. I mean, the offensive line I have no qualms about when it comes to pass protection. But when it comes to opening up holes in the run game, of course, that's a different story. And that's just not, you know, shutting down Michigan's offensive line, I guess, or critiquing them, rather. But we have to give credit where it's due. And the Pirates were able to fill gaps. They were great tackling. There weren't too many missed tackles outside of some Blake Corum runs. And they were good in coverage, too. I mean, when J.J. McCarthy made those throws and passed for 280 yards and three touchdowns, part of the reason it was so impressive is Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, for example, Michigan's leading receivers, it's not like they were always wide open. There were moments where McCarthy didn't have to fit it in a tight NFL window, but it was a window that I wouldn't have expected East Carolina to build. I mean, they were able to, whether it was through zone or man, at times cover Michigan receivers the best they could, but McCarthy was just too accurate, and Roman Wilson in particular was too much of a threat and too athletic to be covered. Colston Loveland was another story. Michigan was able to scheme him wide open a few times, and McCarthy found him, especially on that one play where Michigan had six offensive linemen complete tight formation. There were no receivers outside of that tight formation, and it was a pass. It looks like a run, but no. Michigan passed the ball to Colston Loveland, and he was wide open, and on that play, East Carolina sent seven guys forward, and Michigan and Max Protect was able to blow up their defense, but the Pirates only allowed 3.9 yards per carry, on the ground, and that's very impressive against Michigan. Doesn't matter that Sharon Moore wasn't there. Michigan's offensive line shouldn't have played that poorly, and East Carolina's defense was impressive, only allowing 30 points to a team that I suspect will score well more than 40 points in potentially the rest of their 11 games. I'm not even kidding you. We could, there, there's a reality where this is the game where Michigan scores the least amount of 
regular season points. I mean, Georgia nearly did that last year against Samford. Only Kentucky happened, and then against Tennessee, Georgia's game plan, they could have definitely scored way more than 33 against Tennessee if they wanted to, but they wanted to slow down the game, show Tennessee that their style of football, as in Georgia's, was the better style of football, so on and so forth. So the Pirates could put up a good fight. I think they'll be solid. They lost so much. Holton Athlers, for example, at quarterback, and they lost a 1,000-yard receiver and running back. But their schedule allows them to compete in the American, and I think Tulane will likely be their next toughest game on the schedule outside of the Michigan game. So good luck to Mike Houston. He led his Pirates to an 8-5 and season last year and a win over Coast Carolina in the bowl game like we discussed in my preview video. His team could improve this year, they could regress, or they could stay the same as 2022. But regardless, they're a well-coached team. Michigan also got away with some calls in this game. I'm not going to lie when I say that. And he took it very well. Houston did. No complaining, no yelling at the refs. Like McCarthy, the line of scrimmage with the camera angle, there was, I will say, a reason to you know, not change the rule of that touchdown call where he made his first touchdown pass to Roman Wilson, and it looked from that angle that he was across the line of scrimmage. I'd say at best he was right on the line, in which case great play but risky. At worst, he was easily a yard over the line of scrimmage. It was definitely a suspect call. Michigan also got away with a pass with a pass interference very early in the game, and some other things too. And Michigan has plenty to work on after this game, but they had it easy at home, far more talented than East Carolina, and East Carolina still covered the spread, only lost by 27 points. They almost kicked a field goal before the half ended, too. There were times they were able to get into Michigan territory, whether because their run game or their quarterback room that has a variety of talent in Mason Garcia or Alex Flynn. So if you're an East Carolina fan, which I'm not, but I hope that your football team wins all of its other football games. That'd be awesome. An 11-1 and East Carolina that's contending for the best group of five team and their only losses to Michigan, that'd be pretty sweet. So I'll be rooting for the Pirates for the rest of the year. And they fought hard, they played hard, and they took this game seriously. And that's great for East Carolina. For Michigan, they start off their season with authority. And the defense played at a extremely high level. 402 offensive yards, four touchdowns, and a field goal, obviously a missed extra point by James Turner. The special teams, um, it was really strange, if I'm being honest. Jake Thaw was back returning punts, along with Carmelo English, which I thought was smart because Ronnie Bell, for example, in 2021 returned punts in the first game and he got hurt and was sidelined for the rest of the year as a result. So in a game like this, where it's against an opponent who you know you're going to beat, don't put Roman Wilson or Cornelius Johnson, or in my opinion, maybe even Carmelo English back there in games like this. Like for Jake Thaw, this is probably going to be the only time he sees the field, and he didn't fumble, didn't even come close to muffing the punt, and Michigan is just going to over. They're going to overwhelm a team like East Carolina or UNLV or Bowling Green, and we saw that in this game. Defensively, 
even with an offensive line that was without their coach and an offense that was without their play caller, Michigan dominated here. The special teams, mainly because of some of those substitutions down the depth chart in the punt return game, no kick returns, and a field goal kicker that look very inconsistent. He looked, that 50-yard field goal looked like a Jake Moody field goal. Right down the line, accurate, could have hit that from longer. The next attempt that he had completely hooked it. You knew that he missed it, like the minute he kicked it, or the second that he kicked it, rather. And the missed extra point, too. Turner is certainly getting used to playing at Michigan, and I hope that he becomes more consistent because with Jim Harbaugh and his style of play, even though I think the offense is going to be much more efficient in the red zone, for example, with how J.J. McCarthy looked against East Carolina, if he can play at that level for the rest of the year, obviously that means that against Ohio State, Penn State, he won't be as statistically impressive. Michigan will be able to pass the ball in the red zone, and more often than not, it probably, dare I say it, like a 50% or greater success rate. I don't know how good that is. They'll be able to score touchdowns. So James Turner in the kicking game won't be as important, I don't believe, as the past two seasons, but it's still going to be an important position and a more important position than, let's say, the kicker for Alabama or the kicker for Ohio State, for example. Though we will touch on Ohio State and their offense later today, but I think with Marvin Harrison Jr., with their running back room, I think that they'll be fine, same way that I think that Michigan will be fine. And by fine, like with Georgia, I mean, I still think those three teams will be one of the three best teams in the country at the end of the year. Speaking of that, Alabama impressed me, though again it is week one. Michigan collected 58 total tackles, four tackles for loss, two passes defended. Certainly they did not have an aggressive game plan. They didn't blitz very often. They were pretty conservative, but they nearly had two interceptions. Mike Sainer still collected the only interception of the game, which he returned for seven yards. Michigan's defensive back room is deep. The linebacker room is deep, and the defensive line is impressive. So, I like this defense a ton. Obviously, the offensive line needs some work, and I think with Sharon Moore coming back next week to coach in-game, the offense will look different, the run game will be better. The passing attack, I would expect to be just as efficient and explosive, but it won't be utilized as much. The offensive line play, I think, will be the most noticeable difference when Sharon Moore returns. I think as a motivator, as a great coach and developer, I think he was missed on the sidelines by Michigan's players against East Carolina. And I think only after the fact did Michigan fans and players realize how important not only Jim Harbaugh is, and I think most of us knew that, but how important Sharon Moore was. I mean, even I am guilty of this. I thought Michigan was going to roll this team after one or two quarters due to the sheer talent advantage, the size, the talent. But game day coaching is very important. It's not just the head coach who's involved in game day coaching, but the coordinators as well and the assistant coaches. So Sharon Moore certainly hurt this team. And with, you know, even Georgia, who wasn't without any of their coaches, but Mike Bobo was the new offensive coordinator. You saw a game you saw game day kickoff jitters for Georgia, even against a team like University Tennessee Martin. So 
I was impressed with Michigan, certainly much more dominant than a 27-point win. I take it in the same way that I took Georgia's win, a little better than Ohio State's win, but they also played on the road at Indiana, who probably has a better defense than East Carolina does. And in regards to other teams in the Big Ten, Michigan looked better than Michigan State. They certainly, in my mind, looked better than Penn State, even though West Virginia might have been one of the better teams that any Big Ten opponent played. The way they pushed Penn State's D-line in the run game, that's for Penn State, that's not good news when they face Ohio State and when they face Michigan, along with the fact that Ohio State still has a reputation for a good offense. And also J.J. McCarthy, Michigan, honestly, with McCarthy in the East Carolina game and with their receivers, Michigan reminded me of 2022 Ohio State. Inconsistent with running the football, but high completion percentage receivers that could just fit through tight windows and make great catches and a quarterback who was just on the money every single play. And Ohio State against Indiana reminded me of Michigan where they honestly had the better defensive performance, or at least the same one to Michigan, in my mind. But, and their run game too, they averaged more yards per carry, but their quarterback play and passing game was just wildly inconsistent, and they relied on their tight end. I'll mention that again in the Ohio State video to make that comparison, because I found it to be very interesting. But this is week one, and especially for a team like Michigan, whose ceiling is just through the roof, in my mind, there's plenty of room to grow. This is just one game. The sample size is tiny. We know a lot more than we do in the preseason, but we will know exponentially and infinitely more than we do now, in my mind, by the end of September, when Michigan has played five games. They'll have completed the Nebraska game on the final day of September. And on that Saturday, Saturday night, for the first week of October, we will know so much. And even then, we have the rest of October and November to worry about. So just stay calm. Unless you were Texas Tech or Baylor or TCU or even Texas, who struggled against Rice, rest in peace to the Big 12, honestly. And that's probably an overreaction because Texas's defense looked ridiculously good. And we know they have talent. Unless you were a team that lost yesterday or this week, and really yesterday because Nebraska-Minnesota, for example, that was competitive. There was more optimism for, let's say, Nebraska than there was for TCU or Baylor, certainly. Your team is still, there's not much to know about. I think that the teams that won, honestly, are just delaying, I'd say, they're delaying information to a certain degree, especially Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State, the teams that won against the teams they should have beat, and they beat them handily. We won't know who the true pedigree and tiers of college football are for quite some time. So you'll see that reflected in my top 25, which will release probably Tuesday or Wednesday when not much changes outside of likely Minnesota dropping. And TCU was already outside of my top 25 anyway. In fact, they were at number 26 or number 27 in that received votes category. Jim Harbaugh, I think it's good news that he'll be back against Rutgers so he can coach at home before going on the road to coach against Nebraska, who has a stingy defense and an impressive run game with a dual-threat quarterback, and Michigan has struggled against dual-threat quarterbacks in the past. I will see you guys soon 
for the preview and prediction for the UNLV game, the Bowling Green game. I'm going to cover every Michigan game and every Ohio State game for the rest of this college football season. And for other Big Ten teams, whether it's in my quick picks or dedicated video predictions, you're going to see me talk about a lot more of the Big Ten from the bottom of the barrel to the cream of the crop. So thank you guys so much for watching. I'm going to give a brief shout out to my patrons before ending this video. Thank you to my all-American patron, Spencer Bringhurst. My all-conference patrons, Will Loftus, Gabriel Calendar, and Roaming Gnome. This list will be updated in the next 48 hours, so if your name is not on here yet, it will be soon. Please check out my page if you haven't already on Patreon through the link in the description and consider joining. There is extra content, including weekly picks, and the content on Patreon and the dedication that I spend on it as I learn more how to work Patreon is only going to grow, so check it out if you haven't already. Comment your thoughts down below, and also make sure to like this video, hit the subscribe button, and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more videos about Michigan football, Big Ten football, and college football as a whole. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Also, if you want to listen on Spotify or Anchor, Apple Podcasts, there are links to that down in the description as well. See you guys later.